Basically halfway through. Welcome, David Schiff here with my partner Miles V. Miles, what's going on? Hi, I'm Miles. Maybe you've heard of me, David. If you play poker like you and I do, you know that everyone has their bad beat story. And if you play poker long enough, you know that nobody wants to hear your bad beat story. You know, newer players will be like, "Oh my God, I had pocket kings going up against sevens, and you'll never guess what came up on the river." Dumbass. Your story is not original. We've all been there. Nobody cares. Fuck right off. Anyway, why do I bring this up in my little opening rant? I'm wondering if the same holds true for sports betting bad beats. Do people not like hearing about sports betting bad beats? I don't think they do. Just not to kind of foreshadow what's going to happen later. Do you have a bad beat story that might be coming up later? Oh my god, dude. I'm warning you, I'm seriously stressed out here. Not only do I have a bad beat story, but some of our listeners that, you know, made bets with us this week are going to just really feel at home when they listen to it, because they also have the same bad beat story. We have all been there, my friend, and I think that uh, by relating that story, we all throw our arms around you, we give you a virtual hug, we're going to be with you. But... I don't want to skew this conversation because in general, we had a good week. We had a really good week, as did a lot of people who were following the One of That podcast. Is that not true? No, that's absolutely true. And, you know, last week I followed my lesson one um, and I didn't quite do my lesson 1A. But to recount, lesson one, stop betting against home underdogs. Didn't do that. And lesson two was to start trusting the theory and and bet on the home underdogs. And I wasn't able to do that. And last week, the home dogs, they didn't do that great. I mean, you had Cleveland come in on Monday night. Uh, That was a pretty big surprise. Yeah. And you had New Orleans shutting out the Raiders. That was, you know, another home dog surprise. So those two came in and came in with the underdog winning outright. But you had, you know, Tampa Bay. The Jets, the Texans, the Lions, the Colts, the Rams, all home dogs all lost their games. So last week wasn't necessarily the week to, you know, comply with the theory or learn the lesson. Uh, I think this week might be different. And the good news is I think our listeners, they didn't necessarily follow our lessons. There were a lot of people that were on the road favorites and it it paid off in week eight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Our listeners, and by the way, we are collecting a nice uh, group of people who are not only listening and commenting on the podcast, but they are sending in their picks, they're participating, and they're really, you know, joining with us and engaging. You know, I have two things of note for for week eight. Yeah, let's do it. Number one, and I, I don't know which is more important, but number one, we got our first download from Canada. So that that's exciting, eh? I mean... I hope that hoser enjoyed some of our takes. Yeah, and monkeys might fly out of my butt. And we should remind him that we both picked Buffalo to win the AFC. So, you know, there's a little Canada bias there. Number two, what was great about week eight, we had five listeners send us their picks. And all of them made money in week eight. Can you believe that? Show me the money! Everyone was a winner in week eight, which is just plain awesome. Congrats to everyone. 
whether you chalk it up to our expert analysis or you decide to fade our picks and make your own, we're hoping that this podcast is a positive influence in your week. We love doing it. We hope you enjoy listening. And the best way that you can show that you like our content is to make your picks with us each week or write us a podcast review or recommend us to your friends. I mean, out of the box, Donnie Wheels, he was a winner. He was on Tennessee. He was on the Vikings. Dave Siegel was a winner. He was on uh, Denver. He was on the Patriots. RJ was a winner. He also was on the Vikings. He was on the Commanders. Uh, and then Bill Kalklanis was a perfect 3-0. and He had the Vikes, the Patriots, and the, and the Dolphins. And Dave, didn't you also have someone who sent you picks? Yeah, new listener, old friend Brett Kerner came right out of the box. He was three for three. He took three teams uh, with the points, the Vikings, New England, and the Eagles. And I give him props because when he took New England as a road favorite, he said, I know I am violating rule number one, but I am doing it anyway. And they came in by beating the Jets 22 to 17. So congratulations, Brett. Thanks for listening. Thanks for participating. All of our listeners really knocked it out of the park. As did we. So let's get into the good stuff. Let me just remind everybody, if you're new to the podcast, that Miles and I bet $1,000 every week. We do it primarily on the NFL. We have to make at least three bets uh, across the week, and each bet has to be at least $100. So what you're going to hear right now is we're going to spend the first part of the podcast looking back at the bets we made last week and assessing them, going over the wins and losses, and then we will tally our score. And in a few minutes, we will turn our attention to week nine. And let me just say that there's a lot going on in the NFL right now. So not only is it the usual, you know, unpredictability of injuries and upsets and things like that, but trade season has happened. And trade season has really picked up at the NFL. So McCaffrey, Bradley Chubb, Naeem Hines, Roquan Smith, all of these guys are moving teams, which just is one more layer of information that Miles and I have to kind of sort through as we're going through our picks. Uh, a lot going on, some crazy games, uh, some good results. Miles, you want to tell everybody how you did last week? I do, and I want to remind everyone that they too can make their picks by going to our Twitter website, at Podcast, and you can see everyone else's picks as well as David's picks and my picks. Yep. Here are my week eight picks. My biggest bet was the bad beat I lamented about in the opening that nobody really wants to hear about. Can I just move on or do I have to relive this nightmare? Can you remind me, how did that game go at the end? Uh, Were you on a bit of a roller coaster or are you just sitting calmly on your couch watching? Oh my, I I aged like 15 years in the span of three minutes. That's the fact, Jack! This this was a a game that Bill Simmons uh, live tweeted about and, and compared it to a roller coaster. This was... Atlanta against Carolina, and it was it was Atlanta minus four and a half against Carolina. Okay, and the abbreviation of the last you know part of the game is I lost. I might win. I lost. Oh, I might win. Oh shit, I won. Oh shit, I lost. Oh wait, you're saying there's a chance? I mean, this was all over the fucking board. I mean, I don't know how many people watched the game. I do know that Donnie Wheels was on the Carolina money line. I know that uh, uh, RJ was on the Carolina money line. So if you're on the Carolina money line and you just need Carolina to win, or if you're like me and you've got Atlanta minus four and a half and you need them to win by more than three, you're going to love hearing about this roller coaster ride. So 
much of the game was just trading trading scores back and forth. And if you had Atlanta minus four and a half, they were up three for you know the better part of the game, and you weren't going to win your bet. And so what happens in the fourth quarter? They punch it away to Carolina deep in Carolina's zone. Carolina's down three, so they've got to go for it. It gets to fourth down, and they don't have a lot of time left, so they go for it. And guess what? They don't They don't come through. They turn the ball over on downs deep in their zone. So now Atlanta has the ball in field goal range up three. Okay? All Atlanta needs to do is get a first down, and then they run out the clock, and, uh, and you lose the bet. Mm-hmm. But Carolina holds them, so they're going to go for a field goal. So now I'm like, this is great. They're going to kick the field goal. It's going to be the unnecessary three points, and I'm going to win my bet. Well, they line up for the field goal. They try to draw uh, Carolina offsides, and now there's a penalty. And it's like, okay, great. Carolina's offsides. That's a first down. They take a knee. Game's over. But it was a false start. So they actually had to kick the field goal, and they did. You know, Young Wei Koo, hashtag stop Asian hate, hits his field goal, and they're up by six. And now Carolina has to go the length of the field in order to win the game. They need a touchdown. And there's 38 seconds left in the game. Okay, just put in your prevent defense. Don't give away any big plays, and I'm a winner, right? And this, and I'm, and I don't want to mush my bat. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Cubs fan. I know what it's like to think that you've won and you've lost. So I'm, I'm staying silent and just going to watch this game. And what happens? PJ Walker throws a 62 yard hail mary for them to score a touchdown, and I am beside myself. Inconceivable. <laughs> Yeah, it was a it was a crazy. I mean, DK Moore, you know, lays out. I don't know how he gets behind the defense. It's a crazy play, longest throw in the NFL this season by by Walker. It, it you know, just things that dreams are made of. That was the definition of hail mary right there. And he scores. And what happens? DJ Moore takes off his helmet. And now there's a penalty. Oh my god! So the penalty pushes them back from the field goal attempt. And what happens is the kicker has a shank eponymous and misses the extra point, And now we're going to overtime. So the bet that I was so sure that I won, which turned into the bet that, oh my God, I just lost now has a chance. All I need is a coin flip and, uh, you know, a touchdown. Well, the coin flip went my way. Atlanta got the ball. This is great. I'm like, march down the field and do it. Mariota throws the worst looking interception. I think I've ever seen. So now Carolina has the ball. Carolina drives the ball. And what happens? I think, uh, you know, the Carolina kicker caught syphilis and wasn't ashamed to admit who he got it from because he had a huge shanker in overtime. (laughs) He missed it, giving Atlanta the ball and the chance to score again. And I'm like, this is great. Go for the touchdown. And Mariota had like a 29-yard scramble, and they were moving, but no. They, uh, They clenched their butt cheeks, and they went conservative and went run, run, and then I think they kicked the field goal. Even on third down, they just wanted to get their win and get out of there. They won by three. I lost my bet. Everyone that was on the Carolina money line lost their bet. It was, I don't know, uh, an atrocious outcome. Still believe in my analysis of the game, but wow, that was just one for the ages. Miles, if I had a nickel for every bad beat story like that, I've heard. (laughs) We've all got them. That one was particularly onerous. And when the penalty came out for the helmet and they got pushed back, you could feel all the Carolina Moneyline people losing their collective minds. You know, just a crazy turn of events. Sorry you lost that bet, 
but I'm going to go out on a limb and say things were a little bit better for you for the rest of your bets. Yeah, if you remember week seven, I had my first perfect week, and but for this Hail Mary, I would have had another perfect week because my other two games came in. Uh, my next bet was Seattle, minus three against the Giants, and they are a bet 230 to win 209. It was my second week in a row riding the Seahawks, and this game played out pretty much the way I thought it would. Seattle was up by a touchdown for most of the game, and they ended up being up by two touchdowns. I mean, it was close at times, but it was really never that close. Seattle's defense played great. They had their weapons available in Metcalf and Lockett, and Kenneth Walker is turning in those super running backs. So uh, I kind of thought that the Giants were pretenders who haven't had a strong resume, and I called their bluff. So, um, look, the Giants may be better than they were expected, but they're not good enough to beat quality teams. Seattle's a quality team. So that game came in, and I was pretty happy. Uh, And then the other game that came in was Minnesota against Arizona. And actually, a lot of people of our listeners that made their picks also had Minnesota. This one, I bet, 330 to win 300. Very popular bet. Um, Not only, you know, you were on that one too, I think, actually. so I was. Yeah, you got Minnesota playing at home. You got Minnesota coming off a bye. You've got Minnesota playing in the 10 a.m. early game. You know, all of this I thought was a prime week for Minnesota to take advantage and gain ground in the NFC North, and they did just that. Um, You know, Arizona kept it close, but Minnesota did enough for the win and the cover. So I won that bet, and overall uh, was two out of three, adding uh, I think another 1,069 to the bank. Yeah. Well, you uh, you definitely had a positive week, 1,069. So it's your fifth straight week cashing over $1,000, which is very impressive. And you've been hitting 66, 67%. I think you're uh, 10, 5, and 1 over the last five weeks. Yeah, I've won money six out of the last eight, so five in a row. And you know what that means? It means Vegas, baby, Vegas. I'm taking my talents this weekend to Vegas and see if we can keep the magic going. As well you should, and you're right, I was um, also on the Minnesota-Arizona game. I call it the time zone game because that's the game where you just look at the time zone and say, what time is Minnesota kicking off? As long as it's not prime time, that early game at home, they do well. And as we said, they've got a lot of weapons. Jefferson played well. Dalvin Cook played well. Madison ran for a touchdown. And the defense was really strong. Four sacks, two interceptions, a fumble recovery. Um, I think I saw that Arizona crossed midfield um, at three times in the last, you know, part of the fourth quarter, but they couldn't get the ball, you know, past the 35. So uh, we called it. Um, I will say one other thing about this game. I did mention that I liked the over because Arizona historically gives up a lot of points. And they had DeAndre Hopkins, who had a huge game. He had 160 yards receiving and a touchdown. That over absolutely would have come in as well at 60 points. So we really um, nailed this this game. And segueing over to my bets, I did bet 330 on this game to win 300. That came in, as did most of my bets. I also had a good week, one of my best in uh, a while. I was three for four, so I'll go through that. Um, and kudos to you and I, because, um, you know, not only did we do well this week, I have a little bit of a mini streak. I've won two out of the last three weeks, but I've added almost a thousand dollars to my bank over the last three weeks. So, you know, we're in 
we're, we're, we're wading through all the information, all of the, you know, the data that's thrown at us and, and we're doing a pretty good job lately. Yeah, we are handicapping and, uh, and handicapping in a decent clip. So, uh, that's why I'm going to Vegas. Back off, man. I'm a scientist. <laughs> well, I'm jealous. I won't be joining you, but have a great time. All right, let me go over my other bets. So the early game on Sunday, the really early game was the Jacksonville-Denver game in London. And first of all, let's just start off by saying screw the NFL for putting this game only on ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, that was, I, I set my alarm, woke up to watch that game. It's still dark out in my house, and I, I could not find the game anywhere. Yeah. I did the same thing. And in a world where you're paying for all these streaming services and now you got to have, you know, prime to watch the Thursday night game, you know, fuck the NFL for putting this game on, on ESPN plus. I wanted to see this game. It did not uh, happen in person. I watched it kind of in game cast play by play on my phone. Again, I had the under on this game and I won the under was 39 and a half. Final score was 21-17. A little bit of craziness for me at the end of the game. Uh, both teams were coming off of four-game losing streaks. I had said this was going to be bad offense versus bad offense, but the difference was going to be the Denver defense was going to disrupt uh, Trevor Lawrence, and he did have a mediocre day, 133 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions. But what happened at the end of the game, uh, of course, made me sweat it because Denver scores uh, the last touchdown. So they're up 21-17. There's 38 points. There is no more room for this. They scored with under two minutes left to play. Now, my saving grace is that Jacksonville is going to get the ball back. They have to go the length of the field and score a touchdown. A field goal does nothing for them. So I'm Nervous, but I'm not so crazy nervous because they got a long way to go and they haven't been playing that well. What happens on the first play of that drive? Trevor Lawrence throws an interception in Jacksonville territory. So now Denver has the ball back and a four-point lead. And you could argue that a field goal here is worthwhile because that would put them up by seven points. So I'm like, oh my God, this thing's going to fall apart at the end. I'm going to lose this under bet. They get down to fourth and one on the 26-yard line. Denver has the ball. And give them credit because they decide to go for the first down. They don't want to kick a field goal here because if they miss it, they give Jacksonville the field position, and there's a potential of it getting blocked. So much to my great relief, Russell Wilson rushes it himself, gets the first down, and they are able to run out the clock after a bit more of a sweat than I wanted because only 10 points were scored in the, in the first you know half of the game. And all of a sudden, of course, it got a little crazy at the end with 20 points being scored. But that did come through for me. That was 330 to win 300. So I put 630 in my bank for that. I want to talk a little bit now about the Washington-Indiana Colts game, which I had the money line. I had the commander's uh, at plus 120, uh, the spread was Washington plus three. So they were uh, underdogs. Now, this was billed as the backup game. It was Taylor Henneke versus Sam Ellinger. Ellinger getting his first start. And again, I looked at mediocre offenses, bad quarterbacks, and thinking it's going to be a low-scoring game. And it was. Uh, I had also said that the under might come in on that. Give credit to Heineke, sorry, give credit to Heineke in the fourth quarter because he did lead a comeback, 
They scored the last 10 points of that game. They were down 16 to 7. They squeak it out 17 16. So that money line bet came through, which was a nice little bonus. It was kind of my flyer bet at the end of the week. Uh, that was 120 to win 144. That was a very exciting game to watch, and I don't know if you knew going in, but Terry McLaurin of the Commanders, praise be, is originally from the Indianapolis area, and he's playing back at home in front of, you know, his family, in front of his fans, in front of, you know, in in a stadium that, uh, you know, he played in the Big Ten when he was at Ohio State, so very familiar, you know, terrain for him, and he just had an outstanding game. He was he went off and and had some huge catches and you fired up his team and so uh, you saw all the momentum go towards the commanders blessed be the fruit yeah absolutely he had I think a thirty three yard reception in the last minute which was the play that led them up to the final one yard touchdown run that Heineke had so you're absolutely right he was a huge factor in that game and to Ellinger's credit he was not terrible he threw for two hundred yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Heineke, when he needed to be, was better. They ended up squeaking out that game, and I took the win. So I made four bets last week, three NFL, and for the first time in one bet history, I strayed off the reservation, and I went to the NCAA football side of things, and I bet the under on the USC-Arizona Wildcat game, the the over-under was 76 and a half points. This was going to be an offensive shootout. I should have stayed on the reservation because this was my one bet of the week that did not come through. I was convinced that USC was coming off of a bye the week before. They had lost a tough game to Utah. And in that game, the run defense was the culprit. They gave up huge gash plays to Utah. And I thought that the defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch, in the time off was just going to be in the face of his USC defense, challenging them to man up, to step up and, you know, really take it to a team with a bad rushing offense. Arizona has a very good passing offense, but not a good rushing offense. And that's just not what happened. It was the same old USC Uh, There were 1,100 yards of offense in this game. Arizona only punted twice. Uh, Another thing that happened is that it turned out two of USC's best receivers, Jordan Addison and Mario Williams, didn't play in the game. So as the game kicked off, I was like, great, that's less offensive weapons for USC. They still have a ton. Hopefully they can hold Arizona, and they are just a mediocre defense. This was a shootout. Now, I was only one touchdown off. It came in at 82 points. So I was one touchdown away from being perfect. You were one Hail Mary away from being perfect. But this was a frustrating game, you know, to watch. And I think USC, you know, they were starting to beat their chest a little bit early on, saying we're ready to compete with the big boys. And they are not ready to compete with the big boys on the defensive side. They got some work to do. This is your problem by being such a homer and loving your USC <laughs> Trojans. You get so into the, you know, you, you follow one of the lessons from Silence of the Lambs where you covet what you see, right? And so you're like, oh, I see a lot of USC games. I know this. I'm betting it. When the fact is you need to put the fucking lotion in the basket, okay? And stay off the goddamn NCAA and go with football, which is where you're, you're stronger. Stupid is, stupid does, sir. Well, apparently so. There will be no more betting for USC. And no, I haven't really bet the Chargers. They're my other team. Um, you know, so I've tried not to be a total homer. And look, let's be honest. 
to be a good handicapper, you have to acknowledge when trends are taking teams that you had a certain beat on in other directions. You know, we've talked a lot about the Seahawks and the Bears, maybe as two teams that started off horribly that have turned the corner a little bit uh, and are playing better. And we have to acknowledge that in our betting and our handicapping. And there's some teams out there that are so inexplicably hard to predict or bad that you have to get off those as well. And I'm looking at you, Raiders, scoreless. Like, what is going on with that team? Two weeks ago, they were a point away from beating the Chiefs, and they just got run off the field last week. Well, you're right. I don't know what to say about those Raiders, um, but you're also right. You picked three NFL games last week and won the week. Good for you. Uh, I had an enjoyable time taking you out to Philippe's for lunch, which was uh, very nice, and uh, you you well deserve that one. I enjoyed the spoils of my victory this week. We had a delicious lunch at the iconic Philippe's restaurant, the home, the place where the French dip was invented. It was so delicious. Uh, thank you for that. It was a fantastic lunch, and, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, yeah, so I did finish the week three out of four, uh, $1,524 in my bank, starting with 1000 So that was a good week for me. And we are now tied four weeks each. Uh, but you still have the bank lead. Well, there's still a lot of football left, so we'll uh, we'll keep track of how that goes. Let's get into this week, this week's bet, and, uh, and this week's games. I think this week, uh, you know, since we went with the iconic uh, French dip, how about next week we go with the iconic pastrami sandwich from Langer's Deli? What do you think? You had me at pastrami. I am so in. Let's do it. I think it's called the number 19 is their famous one with the pastrami, but actually they have corned beef. They've got all kinds of great uh, sandwiches and let's, let's put that up on the block for this week. I love it. This is a tough one. Uh, there's a lot of games that I like this week. I'm going to start off by taking Tennessee plus 12 and a half points against Kansas city. Yes, I know Kansas city's coming off a of bye week and Andy Reid is virtually undefeatable when coming off the bye week. I get it. Yet, for some odd reason, Kansas City struggles against Tennessee. In fact, five of the last six times these teams have played, Tennessee has won. Now, I'm not saying Tennessee's going to win, but when you have an additional 12.5 points, you have to feel good as a better. And when you have Derrick Henry on your team, you also have to feel good about running the ball, running out the clock, limiting the amount of time Mahomes and Casey has the ball to score, thereby ensuring that 12.5 points is too many to be giving. So I'm bucking the trends and betting against Andy Reid and uh, taking 12.5 points. What disrespect for a 5-2 and two team that's on a five-game winning streak to be given 12.5 points on the road. I think you're right on. That is a tremendous amount of points to give not a bad team. Now, Tannehill's been beat up a little bit, but... Boy, five and two, nobody thinks that they're serious at all if they're getting 12 and a half points on the road. So good for you. We'll see if uh, you can sneak in and take that one from the Chiefs. That one's 440 to win 400. All right. Here's my first bet for week nine. I'm taking the Bears plus five points at home versus the Miami Dolphins. I'm betting 440 to win 400. As we just said, the Bears are a team that are figuring out 
how to win and how to play better a little bit. Justin Fields has a better sense of when to run and when to throw and to be a little bit more accurate with with his throwing. He's not great. The Bears aren't great, but they are starting to move the ball and they are starting to put up some points. And I will say that Miami has struggled against mobile quarterbacks. Both Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen had huge running games against them. So it's not something that they do well. And the Bears, they have the number one rushing offense in the league. And kind of this three-headed monster now with Herbert and Montgomery and Fields. Fields threw for two touchdowns last week. His passer rating has been over 100 in two of the last four games. They've also gained Chase Claypool. They actually went out into the trade market and they got Claypool from the Steelers. So this is about me betting a number. Five points I think is safe. I think they're going to keep it close, probably within a field goal. They did lose Roquan Smith, which is a blow on defense. Um, but I think they're going to put up some points and they are going to keep it close. And I like five points against the Dolphins. I think my boy is all grown up, right? You're employing lesson one and lesson one A. You're betting on the home underdog here, which I love to see. So let's see if that one comes out. Uh, you know, Miami's a tough team, but uh, I love that you're going to employ the strategy and uh, and I hope it works out. We'll, we'll see. And um, not only are they a tough team, but they did pick up Bradley Chubb from Denver. So they did add to that line. Not going to be an easy game, but I like Fields' development uh, and I like them on, the, on this number. That's my first bet. All right. Well, my next bet is Seattle plus two against Arizona. So I've now won with Seattle two weeks in a row and I'm riding the hot hand with them this week. This is the third week in a row I'm taking Seattle. Now, didn't Seattle already play the Cardinals this year? Yeah, they did. And Seattle won, right? And I'm banking on them winning again. True, at the time they played the Cardinals, the Cardinals didn't have DeAndre Hopkins. But so what? The 49ers just beat the Rams for the second time this year. Why can't the Seahawks do the same against a struggling Arizona team? I love Seattle's running back, Kenneth Walker. And it looks like Seattle's receiving core is at full strength with Metcalf back in, in the mix. Look. Pete Carroll keeps finding a way to win, even when he gets penalized in the game for making contact with the referee. We're taking Seattle plus two, $340 to win 309. Yeah, I don't know how Seattle is an underdog on the road against Arizona. I, I, I just don't see it. And the funny thing is when they played in week six in Seattle, Seattle was the underdog. Uh, they were getting two points in that game as well. So uh, handicappers have not learned their lesson in the Seattle-Arizona scheme of things because they're clearly the better team right now. Now, the one thing I would say is that Arizona has yet to score a first quarter touchdown. They just can't get off the schneid early, and they're playing from behind. The one thing I would say to watch in this game is if they score early, Seattle could be in trouble, but that has not happened yet. We'll look for that trend. What do you have on your second pick? Well, you have teams that you're starting to really lock into, like Seattle. I do as well, but maybe more from the negative side. So I'm going to take the Patriots minus five and a half at home against the Colts. I'm betting 330 to win 300. This game is really more about the Colts being bad and in free fall right now than it is about the Patriots. When you have a new quarterback, Sam Ellinger, coming into New England, playing his second game as a starter against Bill Belichick. 
Belichick is going to have some tricks up his sleeve, and he is going to make it very difficult for Ellinger. The Colts are not only starting a quarterback in only his second game, but he's a quarterback who just lost his offensive coordinator. They just fired their coordinator. So they are a team that is clearly in free fall, that are clearly looking ahead towards seasons beyond this one, which for me and for the Colts is a recipe for disaster. I think they're going to go into New England and just get worked by a veteran sort of coaching staff that knows how to scheme against a young quarterback. Now, the Patriots have a bit of a quarterback controversy of their own. Bailey Zappi was doing well. Mac Jones tried to come in two weeks ago, and it was awful, and they replaced him with Zappi. Now, last week, Mac Jones did all of the quarterbacking in their win against the Jets. He wasn't great. He wasn't terrible. He was fine, 24 of 35 for 194 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He did that lead them to a win on the road. At home against the Colts, it's going to be no contest. I think that they're going to win by at least 10, if not 12 points. I like this bet for you. A uh, couple points to add. Uh, you know, Indiana or Indianapolis, they're throwing up the white flag already. They sent Ninem Hines to, to Buffalo just the other day, which he's a great back. I mean, he is a nice third down out of the backfield receiving back that uh, had no idea that, that they would just kind of surrender uh maybe yeah that was that was crazy to me and then you know you say that you know you're betting against indianapolis but the times when which you've been on new england they they've been pretty successful too i mean you've had some success winning with them so uh, i see this also as a as a you've had some good run with them and this is a good spot so why not continue that so yeah no you're right and in the world we're such crazy unpredictability happens every week. How do you predict the Saints? How do you predict the Raiders? How do you predict the Chargers? The Patriots, for me, have been a little bit more of a predictable team. Decent, average on offense, a little bit better than average on defense, but predictable. And that's why I like them here. You mentioned the Naeem Himes trade. Not only is it crazy, but they traded him from a team where your number one back, Jonathan Taylor, isn't even 100% healthy. He's on a bad ankle. So they've really sort of gutted that running back room. Uh, and I don't think that, you know, clearly doesn't help a new quarterback at all. Um, so I think the Colts are in trouble this week. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Well, my last bet and the bet that I'm least confident about is the Jets plus 13 against the Bills. So look, my first bet, I'm taking Tennessee in 12 and a half. My second bet, I'm taking Seattle plus two. I like getting points is my trend this week. And this is a situation where the Jets are the home dog. I'm taking a home dog. I'm following my lessons one and one A. So I'm trusting, okay? And there's a lot of home dogs this week to choose from. I mean, I I almost chose Houston plus 14 against the Eagles. Uh, That's a Thursday night game, and I've been shying away from those. I looked at the Jags plus one and a half over the Raiders. The Saints plus three over Baltimore. The Lions plus three and a half over the Packers. I think all of those have possibilities coming in. But here I decided to go with the Jets team that has a winning record and they're being spotted 13 points at home. You know, true, I tried this earlier kind of with Buffalo when they played Pittsburgh and, you know, I lost considerably in that one. But here the Jets are at home. Back then Pittsburgh wasn't at home. And the Jets are playing decent football. 
Okay. The Bills, they were 10 and a half point favorite last week against the Packers and they didn't cover. And the Jets beat up on the Packers earlier this year. So why is 13 points in this case when it's 10 and a half before? Seems like too much. And the truth is the line has already moved to half a point so that it's 12 and a half, meaning that I think maybe some of the sharp money is coming in on the Jets. So I've gone back and forth on this one and it really, I wasn't positive, but I'm sticking with my first impressions here and I'm doing it. I'm not tinkering like I did earlier in the year and lost. Just play a competitive game, Jets, and you can lose by 13 or less. I get it. I'm going to throw out two things that might just throw a wrinkle in your thought process, which is number one, Buffalo has already won three games by at least 21 points this year. So they know how to step on the neck of their opponents, pour it on, and really separate in a world where a lot of NFL games are closer than they should be. And number two, I think losing Brees Hall really hurt the Jets. He was an element that was starting to come into his own, so that hurts their running game a little bit. Um, But 13 points is a tremendous amount of points, as we know. So if your logic is sound, we'll see what happens. Yeah, this is going to be the one I probably sweat the most. But, uh, you know, let's, let's see if the Jets can keep surprising the world. What's your last bet? Speaking of bets that we're not so confident about, I'll just jump in with my last bet. I am taking the Rams on the money line over Tampa Bay. So the Rams are a three-point underdog on the road in Tampa Bay. I'm betting 230 to win 310. There are two games in the NFL where the team with the higher winning percentage is considered the underdog. One of them is the Seattle game against Arizona, and this is the second one. Now, both teams have not been great, and this is another instance where am I high in the Rams after the way they played last week? No, not really. But am I down on Tampa Bay? Hell yes, I'm down. They are broken, and I think they have problems off the field, clearly with Tom Brady's divorce and everything that's gone on there. Tampa Bay is 1-3 at home. They're not a good home team, so it's not really an advantage for them to play there. I think that, if anything, the Rams have more of an upside right now because they still have most of their pieces in place. Matthew Stafford has not been that bad. Their defense has been pretty good. Cooper Cup has been pretty good. Their running game has been non-existent. God knows what's going on with Cam Akers and all of that, but I think that The Rams have enough in the tank to go to Tampa Bay and play a team that is reeling right now. And Tom Brady hasn't lost four games in a row in his career, I think, ever. It's the first time he'd lost three three games in a row in like 17 years. Now, Tampa Bay is coming off of a mini-bye because they played last Thursday. So they have had a little bit of time to recover. They're the worst rushing team in the league. They barely have 60 yards rushing. Fournette is good around the goal line, but you know, beyond that, they're you know they're not helping him out, giving him a you know a rushing element to their offense. So, I will tell you that I was really torn on this game, in that I've looked hard at the under, which is 42 and a half, because I think with what Aaron Donald and the Rams defensive line can do to Tom Brady, who is not mobile and has taken a lot of sacks this year, it could line up for a low scoring game. So I went back and forth between this bet and the under. I just decided at the end of the day, I had enough faith in the Rams to beat 
the Buccaneers outright, which was a better payoff for me to actually get, you know, win more than my original bet. That's why I landed on the money line. Rams winning 230 to win 310. It's a pretty, pretty interesting bet I, and bold. It's a bold bet. Let me say that. I, I can't get a read on these teams. These are the teams that every time I watch them play on television, I start thinking to myself, they're not the team that I thought they were. Right. I, I thought that as the defending, you know, Super Bowl champs, the Rams were gonna be pretty damn good this year. And every time I've seen them on TV, they look horrible. And then Tampa Bay, I thought, look at all these great skill position players they have. They've got great receivers. They've got Tom Brady who, you know, is still doing his thing and has a decent quarterback rating. And, you know, Fournette is a quality running back. I don't know why he's not getting the ball, perhaps because Tampa Bay is losing every game and they're forced to throw. I don't know. And so I'm staying far away from this game, and I don't have the the read that you might have on this one. Because... I don't know that I have a read at all on this game. I just really have no confidence in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you're, you know, you're absolutely right that the Rams are unpredictable. They've lost three out of their last four games. Now, granted, they lost to the 49ers twice, and the 49ers are in their head, uh, and they lost to the Cowboys. So they haven't lost to pushovers, but as a Super Bowl defending champion, you know, they're not performing up to standards. I just feel that they can turn it around enough to kick a bad team while they're down and squeak out a win. Okay. Well, they better get it done soon. They're going to miss out on the playoffs. And uh, and I think you're right about uh, the Tom Brady distractions. It's just not a good look for that team. So there you have it. Well, there you go. So those are my bets for the week. Just a little bit of a recap. I've got the Rams money line over Tampa Bay. I've got New England minus five and a half at home versus the Colts. And I'm taking Chicago plus five at home versus Miami. So those are my three bets. Hopefully uh, next week will turn out to be as successful and lucrative as last week. Uh, as, as I mentioned, we're all tied up at four weeks apiece. So this is going to be a barn burner. Uh, what do you say there, Miles? Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to try to make these bets in Vegas if I get up there early enough. And I'm excited about uh, our little competition here. And I'm excited that the winner is going to have some pastrami. It's going to be great. Whoever uh, enjoys the fruits of their spoils, uh, they will be a worthy winner. I can't wait to play it out. Have an amazing time in Las Vegas. For all of you listeners out there, jump into our Twitter account. Give us uh, a shout-out. Let us know who you like. Let us know what you think of our bets. Uh, Keep following us. We're having a great time. I love your body, Larry. Miles loves your body. All right, everybody. Take care from WannaBet. Peace out. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Ravelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? 
Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Electricast.